It's Tate's Take, the podcast where basketball lives. And I know that there's been quite a few people who have been looking forward to a basketball-only based podcast. No football, no baseball, no badminton, no soccer, no rowing, no water polo, track and field, none of that. You've come to the right place right here. If you like the stats and the facts and nothing but the truth and unbiased opinions and the sarcasm, yeah, you, you've uh, turned the right knob or you have certainly clicked on the right link. Now, I cover everything under the prep high school umbrella, collegiate level, NBA, the whole nine. Don't forget to go and follow on Twitter as well as pretty much just about every social media platform at Tate's Take Hoops, T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S. And for the people who are already familiar with uh, the Tate's Take, the podcast, appreciate everybody for certainly for for tuning back in with us as we're going to get things started. If you've been with us, you know that we've been talking a lot about USA basketball, the FIBA World Cup. Going to get into some more of that after they found somebody to pick on uh, in, in, in Japan. And then we can go ahead and dive right in we don't have a lot of bells and whistles so far yet on this podcast we got a lot of really good content and i like it for it to be stuff that's inarguable you know things that you can't really necessarily debate and if you do again one more time at tate's take hoops on uh, social media Uh, you can subscribe to us on apple podcasts or itunes red circle you name it you can find us there. So I appreciate everybody for checking in. Now, in regards to the FIBA World Cup over in Shanghai, China, Group E, where the United States has been participating, off to a 3-0 and start with a big, huge win over Japan, 98-45 to being the final. The United States now have uh, won 22 consecutive World Cup games. And Japan falls to 0 and 3 in, uh, in in Group E or pool play, if you will. This is a team in the U.S. I feel like has found somebody to pick on. At one point, they go up by as much as 60 points on Japan. I don't know if that says more about Japan or if that says more about the United States, but they're certainly finding a way to hit their stride. And I'm definitely going to run some numbers by you guys and certainly some quotes as well. We'll start with the quotes where head coach and Greg Popovich said in the recap notes they're getting better each game and that that's their goal. Uh, I hope that that's their goal to get better each game, but I like this is the brand of basketball that we're so accustomed to seeing and maybe a lot of it quite a bit of it is a matter of the united states fan base just being really spoiled so because you know we saw one game where they lost to australia in in an exhibition game and beat up on czechoslovakia pretty good but you know played canada and won by 15 and that's a canada team that a lot of people might feel like is slightly better than japan regardless as to how much you may agree or disagree with that uh, at the end of the day we don't as americans expect to see 15 point wins when it comes to this type of international play 
nonetheless. We saw a one-point win against Turkey uh, in overtime, and then we see the big-time win by 53 points against Japan. And if I'm just being honest, you know, it, it, it's, there's been some inconsistencies, obviously, and we expect to see a lot more games moving forward, which I certainly can't be the person that's going to promise you. I'm not going to – I wouldn't – put my life on the line to say that they'll have more games that'll end a result like the Japan game than the Turkey game by one or the Australia game. Pop also says the team has not been playing together very long. Uh, I think that it, it is definitely clear that they're still working on developing some chemistry and that they have a ways to go. And I think that's obvious. I don't want people to have their blinders on when looking at the final score, nor the duration of the game. If you had an opportunity to see it against Japan, also mentioning that the players are starting to enjoy playing together a little bit more probably versus the concern of just win, win, win. I mean, the guys are working to get better and develop and establish a chemistry and get used to playing with one another instead of everything just about going out there and win the game because guys aren't going to go out there. Every game you play, they're not going to beat Japan. Guys aren't just going to lay down for you. And I think it'll be interesting to hear some of the quotes from the Japan head coach during this game which I thought was really really interesting if I'm just being honest saying that uh you know they're not challenging the US enough it's like you know asking them during a timeout do you just want to lay down and die right here I mean for these guys as I think the United States got out to a what like I think a, a 13 point scored the very first 13 points in the game or something like that you know there was nobody fouling he also mentioned that there were way too many uncontested layups and so he was trying to get into the minds of the Japan players relatively early which I think is a good thing to do but I think Japan was also being realistic about their chances at not only winning the game but in addition to keeping the game close. Greg Popovich also mentioned that the team respected Japan right out of the gate entering the game and didn't take them for granted. I don't think that it would be wise for the United States to do that. And just because they beat them by 53 points, I'm not really sure if Team USA you know, said, we're not going to take this game for granted just because we're coming off of a one-point win in overtime against Turkey. You know, we're going to respect this Japan team. I think if we're just being honest, they knew exactly who they were lining up against. You know, when you're going out there in the layup lines and pregame warm-ups and you look over at the – everybody does that. You grow up playing basketball and you're in your warm-ups and you go and, and, and look over at the other team on the other side of the court. You're like, man, we're about to blow these dudes out. Like, we're about to rout. Like, we're about to ob obliterate these guys. Like, we're about to wipe the floor with these dudes. Like, we're about to – like, like, like we're about to get we about to get busy, you know. And that's obviously not the mindset you always want to have, but I can't guarantee that that's the mindset that a lot of the players on the USA team had going into the game just because Greg Popovich said it. Uh, but I will say that, you know, I, I, I think that there is a slight possibility that I might have been a little bit too hard on Team USA last week. Not much, but just a slight possibility. Um, but... 
as an American, I have expectations too, just like much of the rest of us that a lot of people aren't watching these, these games and we're just being realistic. A lot of people aren't paying attention to these games because a, they're not the Olympics. B it is football season and the roster that the United States is going out there and trotting out and by the way, they're playing games at 8.30 a.m. Eastern time. So what is that? I think 5.30 a.m. Pacific time. I mean, who's up really, you know, beating the door down to make sure that they get up and, and, and make a cup of their favorite coffee running late to work to make sure that they're checking the FIBA games? I mean, nobody's realistically doing that. However... Who are we as people to criticize and we're not even supporting and watching the games? Now, I'm sure that there's some people are some weird people like me who get up extra early or almost get in a car accident trying to watch the game and drive to work at the exact same time. Uh, who is just basketball diehards in that way. But we're criticizing this team for so many different reasons. And especially if they're not going out there, getting them out of there by 50. But this is a team that's under pressure, you know, regardless as to what we say as the critics. And I think that that's I think that that's really telling to find out exactly what they're going to do during FIBA. Uh, a couple questions that I had on a personal level entering the game was who's going to be around to fill the, the Jason Tatum void as he went out with, I believe, a, a left ankle sprain uh, late in the game against Turkey in overtime. And I think that it played benefit for the United States, not necessarily to not have him, um, but even more so the fact that the guys who came in and played a little bit more significant minutes, obviously because they're playing against Japan, Harrison Barnes uh, stepped in on that role, which he's, for the most part, uh, a starter on this team anyway. But Jalen Brown, who has been a little bit inconsistent, played really well against Czech Republic, didn't play as well against Turkey, came out and had a good game to help substitute for the lack of production that Jason Tatum had the opportunity to give because of the injury. 20 points, 7 rebounds is what sticks out for me more so than anything. We know Jalen Brown can score the basketball. I don't know if I'd call it at will, but we know that he can score the basketball. 7 big time rebounds for him at a small forward slash shooting guard position. I think that that's really good because I'm not sure that he's necessarily the most aggressive guy or the guy that has the quote unquote, using air quotes here, knack for rebounding naturally. Uh, but even more so, something else that stuck out to me in regards of Jalen Brown's performance, 9 for 15 shooting the basketball from the field. I thought that that was outstanding in, in, in his ability to not only penetrate, but he had a monster dunk. If anybody remembers the game where it was the uh, Philadelphia 76ers, I can't remember what year this was, but they was playing up against the Los Angeles Lakers, and Dr. J was on a fast break. You know how you try and catch a guy from, the, from an angle, so Dr. J is on one wing on a fast break and here comes Cooper to come and, and and meet him at the rim to block the shot and they both go up in the air right around the same time and I think it was clear to Coop that he wasn't going to be able to block that shot um, and so from that standpoint he just kind of ducked his head in low and pretty much knew better but it was a little bit too late and he got ended up getting dunked on and that's 
pretty much the equivalent of what happened to a guy on the China team by Jalen Brown. And that was a monstrous, monstrous dunk. And that wasn't the only highlight uh, of this particular game. Chris Middleton, another guy who stepped in in the place of Jason Tatum in regards to that injury, uh, didn't necessarily have the game that he had the day before against Turkey where he had 15 and was the leading scorer for USA, but only nine points, but six rebounds and six assists I think is also very telling for a guy like Chris Middleton who is very similar to size, just like Jalen Brown uh, from a small forward shooting guard position, but six rebounds and uh, what is that uh six assists kind of shows his overall game which i hinted to a little bit uh hence my comments from the last podcast about why i truly do believe that chris middleton is one of the more underrated and underappreciated guys in the nba regardless of the position so here we are looking at what thir- what is that 13 rebounds between jalen brown and chris middleton alone I think that that kind of spoke volume in in my opinion. Uh, moving forward from that, you know, I, I expected the United States to look good against Japan. I think pretty much everybody did, and I'm sure that it didn't really help Japan not really being that big of a team. They didn't really have much size, so I think that that worked well for Team USA in regards to their lineup, in regards to their uh, rotation as well. I really felt like the only chance that Japan had at winning this game was that they were going to have to play zone in the United States was not going to have that big of a game from perimeter because they don't necessarily have outside of, you know, Joe Harris and a couple other players. Kimball Walker is obviously pretty good from the perimeter and Donovan Mitchell is obviously pretty good as well, but they don't really have a perimeter shooting team like that. Uh, Japan had high expectations of one of their particular players who was in the starting lineup and i'll go ahead and give you some stats right now with some starting lineups uh and i'm pardon me if i butcher any of these names you die baba who had 18 points one rebound one assist three steals for japan eight for 15 from the field and and 50 from three i thought that that was outstanding an outstanding game for him a guy who i had no idea who he was coming into the game but i just learned a little bit of something new hopefully you guys are learning something new right now tate's take the podcast um where basketball lives so again 18 points for him going eight for 15 from the field he's a guy who had some stints in the nba g league early this year or last year rather as well as the NBA Summer League uh, was really what I considered to be the only other notable option entering this this game and even throughout the course of it besides Rui Hachimura and um, and Watanabe Utah Watanabe and I want to get into those guys because there were also two very important players obviously but in addition to that um, starters and notable names for this team out of Japan. Utah Watanabe, who played 15 games for the Memphis Grizzlies. And the first time I saw him, I think, was, um, and I'm not sure if he's the George Washington, if, if he was the guy that went to George Washington. I, I feel like he was, but I'm not absolutely positive. Um, but certainly that was the very first time I saw him. And then I saw him in, on the professional level for at the NBA uh, Summer League, not this past year, but the year before last, last year. 
and the crowd absolutely loved him. Not necessarily the game that he really wanted and, and, and to have and, and expected and needed to have if they wanted to come away with the win. Just nine points, three rebounds, two assists, went two for six from the field, 0 for two from three, unfortunately, and five for six from the free throw line. Then you have Rui Hashimura, who most people are somewhat fairly familiar with, was drafted this year in the 2019 NBA draft, went in the first round, a lottery pick, number nine to the Washington Wizards, didn't have himself a great game either, just four points, four rebounds, one assist, two steals, went two for eight from the field, did not make a three-point uh, did not convert on a three-point shot, although he only just attempted one and uh, and, and did not make a free throw either uh, after just attempting two of uh, two of those shots as well. So uh, last but certainly not least, and, and this name might ring a bell if you've been familiar and watching basketball for a while in the NCAA tournament uh, over what was it, close to probably, I don't know, maybe about 15 years ago or so, Nick Fazekas who uh, has actually uh, played uh, in China internationally, I believe, since, what, 2012, if I'm not mistaken, and playing for the China team professionally. That's how he had the opportunity to uh, play on this China team for uh, for FIBA. Uh, four points, four rebounds, just one steal in 16 minutes for him. Shot two for eight from the field, so obviously not really good uh, for him. However, I will say enough to say that going back to Rui Hashimura, had a little bit better of a game um, in the second half. And, you know, I felt like in the first half he kind of settled for a little bit of too many jump shots, Um, you know, needed to be much more assertive and that he was in the third quarter. There was a particular, I I promised you there was another highlight where he put it on the floor and and drive into the basket in penetration and dunked on Miles Turner, who's one of the more elite or significantly or substantially uh, notable shot blockers in FIBA so far and when I say he flushed it on him he flushed it on him uh he 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 flushed it on him pretty good and you know I wasn't really sure about what I would learn about Rui Hashimura based on this performance and I saw some some pretty good things he didn't necessarily shoot the ball well but he did move it around really well uh and 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 I'm still a little bit you know out in, in terms of being a little skeptical on him I know that the NBA it seems to be becoming more and more of an international league each year with becoming you know getting more and more players from the international level and bringing them over here to the NBA um versus you know where there's a lot of players that also rely on their athleticism and find themselves out of the NBA and that's where I believe that the stretch four uh, significance of stretch fours on NBA teams certainly come into play and he's one of the big reasons as to why because he is a versatile uh, player so he is, is certainly one of the uh, reasons why uh, he was selected in the lottery and he had a pretty good year coming out of Gonzaga as well Marcus Smart also joined Jason Tatum and not playing he sat out with a strain left quad uh, but one thing I will say about the United States and what I learned is that they 
are certainly improving certain aspects of their games collectively as a as a unit and running the lanes very well and their chemistry coming together getting out in transition and on fast breaks and playing a lot more unselfishly if you will uh brooke lopez who let's throw his stat line out there because you know i can't like even come remotely close to doing this podcast without mentioning Brooke Lopez. And if you don't understand why, then you need to go back and listen to some of the previous podcasts that I've done because you know that I'm not the big fan of Brooke Lopez. And if I'm just being quite honest, I don't believe that he should have been on this this roster for the FIBA World Cup. Seven points, four rebounds, one assist. Everybody give it up for Brooke Lopez having a monster night with his seven points, four rebounds, one assist, and two blocks, shooting 50 percent from the field and uh for being the biggest guy on the floor i'm willing to say that his seven points will probably be a career high at participating in FIBA, and i know that sounds bad but this is tate's take man where basketball lives and i'm gonna give you the truth and that's just that's just how i'm feeling so welcome to the show um Still out there jacking shots, one for four from three. No surprise there. So every just when we start thinking that we're 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 we're, we're, we're getting somewhere, some positivity and some optimism out of Brooke Lopez, here he is still jacking up shots. Uh, Kimball Walker is clearly becoming the go-to guy for this team. He's the leader of this team. He is the car the car's engine, if you will, and the straw that stirs the drink. For this, uh, for for Team USA, his stat line as a starter. Let's get through the uh, remainder of the starters for the USA team. Fifteen points for him, two rebounds, eight assists. Love to finally see Kimball Walker having more than just two or three assists on this team. Eight assists, like a real point guard should. One block. 5 for 11 from the field, 3 for 8 from 3. Didn't necessarily shoot it well from the perimeter from long distance, but certainly want to give him some credit. Now, everybody knows I've gone on a huge uh, tangent in saying that Miles Turner, how impressed I am with him when he was at Texas, coming into the NBA, since he's been in the NBA, and even in FIBA, calling him arguably or inarguably the best player from a consistent standpoint on this USA team uh, in the FIBA World Cup. Only three points for him. That's fine. I can live with that. But nine rebounds per usual. Uh, two blocks, one steal. Went one for three from the field, which I can live with the little three points because he only took three shots total. And I'm almost well. I'm going to be willing. You know what? Let, let's do this. Let's do this because I want to give you guys something good. I want to give you something juicy. I'm going to be the guy that's going to say and be willing to bet that Miles Turner's career, when it's all said and done, will be better than DeAndre Jordan's will ever be. And I'll tell you why. Let me let me make sure I repeat myself because I want to make sure that you guys are hearing me. Let me make sure this thing... Is this thing on? I want to make sure I'm clear when I'm saying this. Miles Turner will have a better career in the NBA than DeAndre Jordan will ever have. And the, one of the biggest reasons behind that is very simple. I just think he has a better skill set. I'm 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 that guy. I'm that. 
Don't know if I threw out Harrison Barnes. 14 points, 8 rebounds, and 2 steals for him. Joe Harris, who was a starter, uh, 10 points, 5 rebounds. Shot 2 for 3 from 3, which is expected as one of the better shooters uh, or the best shooter on this on this uh, Team USA roster. And then you have Donovan Mitchell, 10 points, 3 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 steal, 50% from the field. I think that's one of the more underrated stat lines that there is uh, and, and has certainly been telling and um, has certainly been telling in regards to what everyone else on this team did against China because he was consistent on every level, much like Chris Middleton was, had nearly double you know in the number in points to go with his six rebounds and six assists. So um, make sure I give some credit there. Let's just refresh just a little bit, kind of reset. You're listening to Tate's Take, the podcast, where you get nothing less. I'm not going to sell you guys anything short than 110% of nothing but stats and facts and, and education and information, very informative stuff um, of a basketball podcast, 110%, no other sports. You're looking for all basketball. This is the place, high school, college, pro, the whole nine. Now, talking about uh, Team USA a little bit more, uh, 45 points that Japan scored has been the lowest total from any of the 32 teams in the first round of the FIBA World Cup this year. And the USA's 53-point win against Japan is the third most and third highest amongst any of the games played so far. Uh, this uh, The United States has now won 56 consecutive international tournament games with NBA players on the roster. And speaking of NBA players... On the roster, and we'll talk about what's coming up next for Team USA. They got must-win games that are coming up, questionably on Saturday, where they'll take on Greece. Yes, the Greek freak, Giannis Antetokounmpo, on Saturday. Still hasn't got, still don't have a confirmed time yet, but I'll keep you guys posted on that. Check the Twitter at Tate's Take Hoops for more info on that. Uh, Greece is now 2-1 and one in pool play. Uh, and then after that, I believe on Monday, the United States will take on an undefeated team. So that's going to be one that you want to keep your eyes and your ears open for as well, uh, taking on Brazil. And I have a, a whole new respect for a guy like Kimball Walker. Now, just watching his game, and it's not that I disliked or had anything against Kimball Walker. I didn't feel the same way I feel about Kimball Walker the way that I did about uh, or do currently. We're not going to go past tense. Um, we're going to go present about Brooke Lopez. I don't feel that exact same way, but I'm seeing some things out of him that – I'm pretty impressed with and that he's been consistent in doing. And I saw at UConn that I wasn't really sure was going to fly once he got to the NBA level, but he's been doing it pretty consistently. And I love what he's been able to do. So I have a whole new respect in a way for him. Uh, the funny part, and, and I noted this in some of my notes, one of the funny parts I saw about the game against Japan was um, Japan attempting an alley-oop. Yeah, oop me on a fast break where I think it may have been a two-on-one and, and, and they were on fast break and one of the players from Japan uh, was on the wing 
and pointed up towards the ceiling, meaning, yeah, throw me the alley-oop. So here comes the alley-oop, and it didn't turn out very well, and the ball goes flying out of bounds. And I just thought that that was just funny. I love to see that happening when people try and get flashy and fancy and sexy with the play, and it doesn't necessarily go all that well. Yeah, I love seeing that happen. Just, I don't know, it's a weird thing, I guess. That's just me. Maybe because I've never been the guy to throw another alley-oop after I did it. I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, But I will say enough to say that uh, there's a lot of teams that have been playing well in this thing. There really is. I know that Greece has been coming on a little bit. They've been a little inconsistent, defeated New Zealand on yesterday. Serbia has been playing well. France has been playing well. They defeated Lithuania. One of the more surprising things is to see Australia go down with a loss, a blowout loss, as uh, close as they've been able to keep it with the United States and even beating them in the exhibition game. Um, and even saying that, that just kind of goes to show it's much like March Madness. I think Joe Harris even mentioned something about this in his postgame comments that it's much like March Madness, like win or go home. You don't, sometimes you don't always know who's going to show up. And I know everybody loves to say styles makes fights, but that's essentially what this is all about. Argentina is undefeated as well. Uh, so, you know, the, the, United States is going to need to um, play well moving forward and continue to, you know, kind of improve uh, on on their game and just kind of be consistent. Just be persistent. Just be persistent. I like to see some blowouts, but just being consistent and persistent. I want to see a little bit more than 15-point wins, but as long as they're just getting better, I know that I don't – all of us don't just love just oh we're getting better we're getting better it's not the 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 most attractive thing to say it doesn't really move the needle for a lot of us we do want to obviously see them get better but i am not surprised by a lot of these teams outside of japan and maybe uh czech republic keeping it close and it's not because of the usa roster but even more so because of the fact that They've got the big target on their back. And that's where I learn a lot about the players on the, uh, on the, on the USA team. So I'm really excited to see what the games going forward is going to look like. I think it's good for the United States bench to tally a lot of minutes and, and, and get some run, you know, get some reps in considering the, the upcoming games that they have, uh, against the caliber of teams that they're going to be playing against and they're going to be relied upon quite a bit later the bench that is uh as the opponents and the uh i guess as the games pretty much just kind of get tougher Um, but i know this coming up game on tomorrow against on saturday rather against greece uh is a team that needs to beat the united states to advance to the quarterfinals so i know that that's going to be all of interesting so i'm looking forward to seeing what's gonna come about with this team um and 
if you guys are, you know, as we're concluding the podcast, if you guys have been able to watch, feel free to, you know, hit me up on the on, on social media. Let me know what you think about what you're able to see. Let me know if you're seeing what I'm seeing. Let me know if you're seeing something different or even just how intrigued you are by the FIBA World Cup, you know, the 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 teams contending, what you've been seeing out there, because it's going to do nothing but just ramp up a little bit more and more each time. And before we get up out of here, I want to throw out there a couple things that I've also noticed about uh, Team USA, and you know i got to find something to grunt and gripe about. First, let me throw out all the positives that I saw uh, against the Japan team. Uh, at the half, 23 to 56, the United States was leading. And at the end of the first quarter, the United States had just as many points, 23 again, that Japan had in the first half. So we want to obviously give them some credit. United States shot 48% and held Japan to 27% from the field. Japan shot 17%, but if they, if you're the United States, you got to know every team's not going to come out here shooting 17% and poor, piss poor and bad percentages from three. These teams are going to be making a lot of these shots from the outside. And you got to make sure that you're hitting shots as well because 34% from three is not going to cut it if you're the United States. Now, they can get away with that against Japan. But they're not going to get away with that this upcoming weekend and next week against some of these other teams. You can bet that. And you got to shoot better than 50% from the free throw line. Hey, let me tell you something. 34% from three if you're United States and 50% from the free throw line, that is a recipe for disaster. That is a recipe for failure if you're playing someone outside of Japan. Japan shot 66% from the free throw line. And you're going to be bigger than everybody else. You know, the United States have five blocks to Japan zero. I hope you had five blocks against the China team who, make sure I'm saying this the right way because I don't want to offend anybody. I know it's my podcast and I can say what I want, but I just want to make sure I'm being fair to everybody. But I also want to call it what it is. I hope that the United States can have at least five blocks against a typical Japan team in where most cases they're a little vertically challenged. Asian people for the most part. Now I know y'all mean might feel a different kind of way than that. There's some tall Asians out there, believe that. But I still like to believe that when you're talking about athleticism and, and, and vertical jumps, that the United States can, can, can be the ones that can stick their chest out a little bit in that department. I hope that that probably doesn't surprise anybody. I tried to clean that up the best way I could. 25 assists for the United States moving along now. <laughs> We're going to get out of that real quick. Seven assists for Japan. Japan clearly not moving the ball around very well. Um, and then when you're looking at the rebounding efforts and edge, clearly was going to go to the United States. Again, much taller guys, much more athletic guys. And I know that rebounding isn't necessarily all about heightened athleticism because it's much about technique and effort as well. 
maybe Japan just didn't put forth enough effort. Maybe it's not about being vertically challenged at all. Here I am going back to it. Maybe it's not about being vertically challenged at all. Maybe they just did not have the right technique to out-rebound the United States. 33 rebounds total for Japan, 58 rebounds for the United States. That's a 25 rebounding edge for the red, white, and blue. On the defensive end in terms of rebounds, 38 for the United States, 25 for uh, for Japan. So the United States had more defensive rebounds than Japan had rebounds, period. 20 offensive rebounds for the red, white, and blue. Eight offensive rebounds for Japan. Again, this isn't something that the United States can get comfortable with because you're not going to be playing Japan every night or every other morning. But here's the big problem that I have, and I'm going to leave you guys with this. The United States has been atrocious with their ball handling in terms of turning the ball over. Now, granted, Japan had 18 turnovers. That's a problem within itself, and I'm going to tell you why. The United States had 14 turnovers. Japan had only four, four more turnovers than the United States. Just four. Only four. I expect for this team to had 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 the United States forced more turnovers and didn't commit nearly as many turnovers, we could easily be talking about a 70-point victory right now. 14 turnovers by the United States is far too many turnovers. Far too many. Forget about, oh, we're just going to be lackadaisical and take it a little easy and we can afford to be a little sloppy. No, those other USA teams, FIBA or Olympic, they got guys out of there. And part of the reason why is because they took care of the ball. 14 turnovers is far too much. You have 14 turnovers against somebody else outside of the name Japan. You have thir- you shoot 34% from three against anybody outside of the name Japan. If Japan, if somebody outside the name Japan shoots better than 17% from three, if somebody outside the name Japan shoots better than 27% from the field, if somebody uh, like the United if the United States is playing somebody outside of the name Japan and 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 and, and shoots 50% from the from the charity stripe, I call it the free space on a bingo card, they're getting routed by 20. You got to find a way to cut the turnovers down. I think that's going to ultimately be one of the big Achilles heels for this American team and I need them to force more than 18 turnovers if you're playing the team like Japan if you're playing Japan you have to force more than 18 I think you should put it in the mindset and this will do nothing but help them and I know I'm not Greg Popovich I know I'm not the coach but it will do nothing but help this USA team by setting standards and one of the top standards that should be set. Yeah, you got them out there by 53. You should have gotten them out of there by 53. You should have hang. You didn't even score 100 points. You need to hang every bit of 120 on these guys. You don't take the foot off the pedal. If this is the United States and the players is just that good, forget about not having LeBron and, and Steph Curry and all these other guys and so on and so forth. And I know you'll score more points the more three-point shooters on you that you have. 
and Joe Harris is just not going to cut it because he's the only primary three-point shooter in terms of sharpshooters on this team. You've got to get guys out of there by more when you're playing Japan. 53 is not enough. 18 turnovers is not enough. It should be minimum, bare minimum 20 or Practice tomorrow is going to be a track meet. Leave the balls locked up inside of the inside of the janitor's closet, and we're it ain't going to be nothing but a track meet because we're getting down in defensive stances and we're sliding and we're getting that we're getting to that basketball. That's what we're doing. I get a little worked up because that 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 that's what's kind of pissing me off about this team a little bit. You have the opportunity to get guys out of there. And some people say, man, yo, chill. They won by 53. That's not enough. If you perform this way against a a team of a, a, a little bit better caliber, I'm not even talking about a great caliber team. Look what you got. You got, you got, you got, you got, you got, uh, uh, Baba and Utah Watanabe out there who played 15 games for the Grizzlies last year. 15, that's it. And a rookie who hasn't even stepped on an NBA floor yet in Rui Hashimura. So we really don't know where he is yet. You have to get guys out of there. Or you're going to get punched in the mouth. And at very best, the only thing that this FIBA team will be sniffing is a bronze medal. Max. At Tate's Take Hoops on the Twitter, as well as on the IG, on the gram, on the Instagram, on the whatever the cool kids are calling it these days. At T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E Hoops. Again, at Tate's Take Hoops, T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S. I almost forgot how to talk all over again because I'm just, I'm so, I'm, I'm, I'm fired up. I'm fired up. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm. Like, I'm on the coaching staff. <laughs> so I certainly hope that not only Coach Popovich, but Lloyd Pierce and, 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 and Steve Kerr and Jay Wright, I hope that they're getting in guys behinds for this kind of performance. Yeah, it's cool. We did our job. We got them up out of there. But we'll see what kind of approach that they have going into the game against the reigning MVP of the NBA and the Greek Freak when they take on Greece on Saturday and follow that up against an undefeated Brazil team who's pretty good. Appreciate you guys for following along. Got another podcast coming up that is going to recap the Greece game. Uh, So be sure to be on the lookout for that. Also, want to make sure that I'm hitting this hard and heavy each and every single time. Share it with your friends. Please and thanks whoever's praying for me and just 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 supporting me, supporting the Tate's Take movement, supporting the Tate's Take brand. Appreciate you very much. Share it with a friend. Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Red Circle, the whole nine. Appreciate everybody for checking in with me and for supporting the movement, supporting the Tate's Take brand in the podcast.